Yo, 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 yo. It's your boy, the Mark Rob, aka Sean Matt Love, aka the Big B Santa Blouse, aka Chris Blingle, aka No Cell Noel, coming at you with a new episode of Rasselcast Power Hour. Hot take Christmas is for the kids. For adults, the holidays are really about evaluating the previous year, battling existentialism and big bills, and dodging work white elephant Christmas gift exchanges. <laughs> it ain't for us. It's for the kiddies. Which, to me, is actually a great thing. It's the only holiday where the kids are the priority. Adults, we have New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day. Families, overall, have a 4th of July and Thanksgiving. But, in America, on December the 25th, kids are purposefully made to feel special. Single adults and families without children, this isn't a slight to us, but let's take a step back for a moment and think about a time when we grew up and Christmas made us feel special. For this episode, I tasked Handsome Bane and be hyphen to share what their favorite wrestling-related Christmas gifts have been. Now, I did this unprompted, but I am glad to see that even through the vibes, <laughs> they understood the assignment. Loving guys for that. But because I had the hot take that Christmas is for the kids, I'll share my favorite gift first. Another hot take. The Nintendo 64 is the funnest home gaming console ever. Not the best, that's reserved for the PlayStation 2, but the most fun. The Trident controller, I can admit, was gimmicky and ill-designed, but the system with its four built-in controller ports and the games itself were all spot on. Well, not all, but mostly. <laughs> While I'm not going to fall down the rabbit hole of GoldenEye, Mario Kart 64, Super Smash Bros. or Zelda, also, I'm not going to discuss WWF No Mercy which I want to describe as the greatest wrestling game of all time. And it actually still is. <laughs> but I am going to talk about another N64 wrestling game, and that's WWF's WrestleMania 2000. predecessors, WCW vs. NWO World Tour and WCW NWO Revenge were both certified bangers. And me, my cousins, my friends, my neighborhood, my school, <laughs> we were all fully brought in, especially with Revenge. In the glory days of going to your friend's house, firing up the sticks, and playing for only no god knows how long, THQ, the company that published the game, and Asmic Ace Entertainment and AKI Corporation, both the game developers, really showed us the way. And while No Mercy was the apex of the games they gave us, WrestleMania 2000 was the first wrestling game to truly up the stakes and redefine what wrestling games could ultimately be. Going back to Christmas 1999, with the world seemingly ending with the Y2K scare right around the corner, Everything was in a state of excitement and panic, desperate to meet the future head on while carrying the dread of what if this is really it. For me, 
I'm smack dab in the middle of the eighth grade. Middle school, to me, both seventh and eighth grade, were some of the best times of my childhood. And probably the last time I had a true childhood innocence right before high school made it its personal mission to stamp it out completely. Also, at this time, Brenda missed the Attitude Era. And while I never personally invited any of my teachers to my privates, <laughs> classrooms and hallways routinely rang out with sucking chants. <laughs> we were terrorists, we really were. <laughs> so, it was only right that we had a wrestling game that captured that era, but also looked toward the future. WrestleMania 2000 was that game. Now, as most folks know, 2000 was literally built on the engine of WCW and WO Revenge, but it added key pieces to properly elevate it to new heights. This was the first wrestling game to give us fully customizable wrestlers, which was a total godsend. I spent hours meticulously crafting wrestlers with intricate movesets, developed backstories, and stables <laughs> to compete for customized championships that I created. Yes, I was a full mark. <laughs> I had full wrestling stories, storylines, faces, hills, beefs, pay-per-view events, house shows. I had it all and I did it all. <laughs> and even though 2000 isn't necessarily a one-to-one -one of what a true sports simulation should be, it was the first wrestling game ever to make the player feel like a true wrestling commissioner. I was like Vince McMahon, but with a conscience. <laughs> Growing up in an era of sports games where everyone did the creative player on Madden and NBA Live and cranked up their ratings to 99, which I did as well, <laughs> you had to be more thoughtful with the wrestlers you created. The level of customization and specificity were really impressive and engrossing. I legit spent hours playing it. Also, we could do taunts where wrestlers could pull down their pants and moon their opponents. <laughs> what other game was giving you that? And of course, the sucker taunt was there. And of course, the wrestler I created after myself frequently performed the sucker taunt before performing my finisher, which I believe was a Steiner screwdriver, an incredibly dangerous move in real life, but perfect for virtual reality. Now, again, WWF No Mercy did eventually supplant 2000 the following Christmas, and those creative wrestlers and those storylines and those stables that I once created transferred over and were substantially improved upon. However, it wasn't the first, and you always remember your first. <laughs> now, while my story is one of Christmas bliss, our good friend Kellen was maybe not so lucky. I had the rubber wrestling figures forever, the ring too. When I wasn't playing with Transformers, G.I. Joe, and eventually Ninja Turtles, I was bringing all my wrestling superstars to the squared circle to settle their differences. Hulk Hogan was still my favorite wrestler, and he would often find his way to victories in even the most dire situations. Hogan looked like he had been through wars. Most of the red and yellow paint had been beaten off from constantly locking up against another wrestler. Even with his championship belt long gone, 
I found great satisfaction in putting my wrestlers away knowing Hawk had secured victory yet again. I had to be uh, seven the first time I saw the movable Hasbro figures commercials. While my wrestling fandom was contained to superstars on Saturday mornings and the occasional VHS rental for motion video, I was overjoyed to see that WWF had updated their figures to moving like the rest of my action figures. I still remember the first time one of my friends let me hold his Ultimate Warrior figure. While I was never the biggest fan of Warrior, the details, bright colors, and plastic made me long for some new figures. I decided my best shot would come that Christmas. My original wrestlers had made an appearance at some point. I was too young to remember what time of year it was when I got them, but I remember handing my dad my Christmas list in 1990, proud that I had asked for quality, not quantity. Dad peered over the paper after he got close to the bottom of the list. Wrestling toys? He asked. Yeah, I said excitedly. They move now. But you already have wrestlers, you job, Tom Turkey. I know, but the new ones can move their arms, I repeated. Dad didn't seem convinced. I spent the days leading up to Christmas with my mom. She had left wrapped presents in her bedroom, so naturally I peeked while she worked a restaurant job during the day. I was shocked to see a Ninja Turtle sewer playset. Somehow, I contained my excitement until I was presented the gift to unwrap on Christmas morning. I spent the rest of the morning carefully putting the playset together and getting to use it some before it was time to head back to Dad. Surely, Dad would be coming through with the new wrestlers. But unwrapping at home came and went with no new wrestlers. I got more Ninja Turtles and a Transformer I'd never heard of, but there would be no new matches being waged with brand new wrestlers. The sewer playset helped take the sting out of the disappointment though. The new year came and went, Hulk Hogan positioned himself to face the Iraq sympathizing Sergeant Slaughter at WrestleMania. It was the second time I found myself deeply invested in Hulk in a year, as he had overcome Earthquake the summer before. Now he was fighting for freedom. I didn't see the result myself until Motion Video got the latest WrestleMania tape featuring Hogan winning the WWF Championship and freedom for everyone. By then, I spent most of my time playing Ninja Turtles, watching Nickelodeon, and really developing a following of Michael Jordan, the Chicago Bulls, and the NBA. The absent Christmas present was all but forgotten, and soon, I stopped following wrestling completely. I'll never forget the day, though, when I was on the school bus and I saw a friend reading WWF Magazine in 1993. The headline screamed about how Hulk Hogan had defeated Yokozuna to become the WWF champion again. He let me flip through it and I was stunned how Hulk was still keeping himself relevant after all these years. When I made it back to my bedroom, I looked around at all the sports books, cards, and comic books that now took up my free time. No action figures could be found. It was probably a good thing I didn't get those movable wrestling toys after all. Instead, started on my homework and waited patiently for dad to bring home the USA Today sports and life sections. Besides, I had my heart set on an even bigger prize for that year's Christmas, a Sega Genesis. And they did make a Genesis version of the WWF Royal Rumble game I kept seeing ads for in my X-Men comics. Sometimes we get squashed. Sometimes dads hit us with the RKO. No jokes, Eric. <laughs> Sometimes life is the Montreal screw job. On good days, we're Sean, and on bad days, we're Brett. It happens, but it doesn't mean we love Papa Hyphen any less. It just means that when Doc Brown builds his DeLorean, we have a special destination around Christmas to visit. But there is a story from the good brother, Hanson Bain, to restore our faith in the Christmas spirit. Was the night before Christmas, and all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. 
Christmas, the year 1992. My life was basically ruled by X-Men the Animated Series, Street Fighter 2, and of course, the art of pro wrestling. Bret the Hitman Hart had just won the WWF World title earlier that October. The legacy of that title is as follows. It began with Randy Savage, then Hogan beat Savage, then Warrior beat Hogan, then Sergeant Slaughter, then Hogan again, then The Undertaker, then Hogan again for like a day, then the title was vacated, then Flair won it at the Rumble, then Savage beat Flair at Mania 8, then Flair beat Savage at a house show, then Bret the Hitman Hart beat Ric Flair at a house show in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan for the world title for the first time, and I considered that belt Bret's belt. Bret's belt had an innovative look, so to speak. I mean, the entire title was an eagle's chest, wings, head, and then the globe, and then a couple of banners. The spikes, though, really gave it that Iron Throne kind of feel. It was like an Iron Throne you could wear. So when I unwrapped the replica of this Holy Grail, I was almost speechless. I might have mustered a whoa. And physically, it wasn't especially remarkable. The PVC back piece was really stiff, but it was still bendable. It's weird. The little rubber strap was kind of like a gritty kind of fall apart easily kind of rubber. And it was attached with Velcro. But the crowning jewel, however, was the shining, sparkling, shimmering golden sticker on the front. It would stay attached for about a week, depending on how often you hit someone with the belt. As time wore on, I carried the title with me everywhere. That foil sticker was long gone. The rubber strap with the Velcro had deteriorated, so I replaced it with two leather belts, bonded them together with black electrical tape. The Velcro was replaced by two actual metal belt buckles, so it gave the title some weight. I also learned how to loop a, a fasten a belt and unfasten a belt backwards that way. I changed it from the WWF title to the Metatol Wrestling Federation title, as that's where I grew up. And we had a whole promotion. It was backyard wrestling, but good. We had contract signings and, and everything. We were as official as we could possibly be. I always think about how that title really got me over. Like, when I first customized it and took it outside, it already made me the locker room leader, so to speak. I often wonder if my mom knew exactly how I would take that toy and run with it. Or if she was just tired of me cutting up cardboard and using leather belts and tape and aluminum foil to, to make belts the old fashioned way. But I know my mother and she really doesn't do a lot of things without intention. And so for me it felt like she was turning that christmas morning into like a coronation of sorts years after i lost as in misplaced the metatol wrestling federation title i had fallen in and out of the realm of pro wrestling never fell out of love but just not present so years later i'm married i have a child on christmas morning my wife nicole who is the world's best gift giver got tickets to see wwe live event before the new year my daughter Jada was five, and on our way to TD Garden, I took a picture of her sitting on the train and posted it on Twitter with the caption, 
on our way to see Sasha Banks in the New Day, Black Excellence. It was retweeted by Xavier Woods and really got a lot of traction out of the blue. Positive quote tweets. So we get to the garden in time to settle in before the generic metal came over the house speakers. Jay was wearing a WWE Raw Women's title. Yes, the replica belts. They've actually gotten much better. Yes, I continued the tradition. I got her her Raw Women's Championship along with Sasha Banks official Sasha Banks sunglasses and the official Sasha Banks four finger rings that said legit boss across the knuckles. She was all decked out. Well, the first match started when Big E bellowed. Oh, Boston! Jay jerked in her seat because she had heard it on TV before and she looked at me and she said, I can't believe they're in real life. And she giggled and yelled for the vast majority of the night. It was this night though, in this arena, that I get to answer this question now. Mark Robb, you asked us what was the best wrestling gift we've ever received. And it would be this right here. Warning, there's a lot of yelling and it's amazing. Enjoy. The sound of that little girl screaming at her hero that she gets to see on TV, that she gets to be influenced by, that she gets to listen to, was amazing. The sound of her marking out for the first time and being so close but yet so far from her hero was such a, such a sweet moment. And all of us, everybody surrounding, nobody was telling me to tell her to be quiet. We were all living vicariously through Jada at that point in time because as wrestling fans, we really lost that loving feeling where we become jaded. Sometimes the product isn't great and whatever. That child didn't care about storylines. She didn't care about long-term contracts. She was just living in that moment of seeing Sasha Banks, Boston's very own, come down that aisle for her. But once again, Sweaty Marks, a babe has shown us the way. Thank you, mom, for supporting it. Thank you, my dear wife, for always tolerating it. <laughs> and thank you to my daughter, Jada, for reigniting my love for the art of professional wrestling. Uh, without her and without that moment, honestly, there is no Rasselcast Power Hour. Speaking of sisters influence and sisters, before we get out of here to celebrate the holidays, let's induct some special sisters into the Rasselcast Power Hour Hall of Fame. Three sisters, literally, 
hailing from Columbus, Ohio, by way of Decatur, Georgia. Babs Wingo, Marva Scott, and Ethel Johnson. In the show notes, I highlight a great article that goes more in depth into their career, but these three women combined to wrestle north of 1,800 matches starting in 1950 and Marva wrestling as late as 1979. They were champions multiple times over, including Babs and Marva being billed as the first Negro women tag champions. They traveled the world while being beautiful, high-flying, tough, and powerful. And this is all during the Jim Crow era, too. So, there's that. <laughs> Again, read the article by Ebony Nash. It's incredibly insightful. And also, Ebony Nash, come on the show. <laughs> all right, you sweaty marks. You stay out of trouble. Stay out of folks' DMs. Stay out of other folks' business. Have a Merry Christmas. Peace. You can find B-Hyphen at B-Hyphen on Twitter and The B-Hyphen on Instagram. Follow Handsome Bane on Twitter and Instagram at ILA underscore POW. Mark Rob can be found on Twitter and Instagram at Joe Madlove. Sayonara, smelly nerds. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained?